If I was going to put a title to this message, I would say this title would be, What's the Deal? Or maybe the real deal. I don't know. I'll let you title it when I get through. I'm just bold enough to believe what God says. Now, it took me a while to get there. But now I can say I'm bold enough to believe what he says. And I want to turn around and, and just share the information. In the beginning, in Genesis, you read where God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created male and female. And then he breathed into them the breath from his own mouth. I've thought about that. In the garden, Adam was set. He was created and he was set. And before he became alive, it said that God breathed into Adam's nostrils. Is that right? And man became a living being. But you know the story. And, and, and God said, and I, look, Adam, I'm going to give you all authority over this planet. You go. You have to do it. It's yours. I've put you in charge of this whole planet. He named all the animals. We still call them by what he named them. And so it went real well until that day say that day. It was not a good day. When the snake came and whispered into Adam and Eve, doubting what God said. Do you know he hasn't changed the way he does things? We'll receive a truth, a word from the Lord, and the snake will come and whisper in our ears, oh, he didn't mean that. He meant this. Doesn't he do that? He does that. Still does it today. But, okay, so when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, the authority that they had was given to the enemy. And Paul calls the devil the god of this world. He has wrecked havoc for 6,000 years since Adam was created. 6,000 years mankind has been in a mess. But when Jesus came and he was crucified, what happened spiritually in the spirit realm was the authority that had been relinquished to the enemy. What did Jesus say? Behold, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then he turned around and gave the authority back to man. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? But we're still victims of what the enemy comes and whispers in our ear. No, that's not what God meant. And robs the strength of that truth. And we begin to walk in half-truth, limping through life. A victim of deceit. Okay, let's look at uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 1. It's all through the New Testament. Luke 9, 1 says, One day Jesus called together his twelve disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out demons and to heal all diseases. What did it say that he gave him? Power and authority. Luke 10, 19, just a page over in my Bible. Jesus said, Yes, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk amongst snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Mark 16 verse 15. This was after the crucifixion and resurrection. Then Jesus told them, 
Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. Anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and it's in red. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What did he say they would receive? Power. Who gives the power? The Lord fills us with whom? Holy Spirit. Amen. So what God, the Creator, was prophesying all through the Old Testament, one day, one day, one day, I'm going to take their hearts of stone, and I'm going to take it out, and I'm going to put in a heart of flesh, I'm going to live in them, and I'm going to be their God. One day, one day, one day. Well, that day came on the day of Pentecost. But let me back up to the garden just a minute. Right before Jesus was crucified, where was he? He was in a garden. Garden of Gethsemane, right? And what did he say? Father, Abba, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. In other words, my flesh is having a great deal of difficulty submitting to what I know is your heart. My flesh doesn't want to suffer. If it's your will, can I do something else? Is what he was saying. Right there in the next breath. Right there in the Garden of Gethsemane. Right there he said, Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Right there, victory was won. The rest was just walking through. But victory was won when Jesus said, Nevertheless. Authority was lost in the garden. Authority was gained back in the garden. And then on the day of Pentecost, they're in the upper room just because he told them, go to Jerusalem and wait until you be clothed with power. Now, do you think they knew what that was? Not at all. They didn't have a clue. I'm sure someone was asking Peter, well, what do you think? It's, how will we know? I don't know. Well, what, what will it look like? I don't know. Well, so they go over to John. John, how will we know when, when the promise is here? They didn't have a clue. They were just obedient to the Word of God. Now get this. Remember the Creator bending over in the garden and blowing into Adam's nostrils his breath of life? Remember that? On the day of Pentecost, they're still there not knowing. All of a sudden, the Word says, suddenly a wind came like a mighty rushing wind. What was that? It was the Creator going... And suddenly, the promise, one day, I will be their God and live in them, came to pass. 
and God the Creator breathed His breath into the people that waited and trusted Him. And life came in them. Suddenly they didn't have to ask, what will He look like? How will we know? The room was filled with utter chaos. I can imagine Peter going, Philip, you have fire on your head. <laughs> my head feels hot. Do I, do I have fire on my head? Yeah. I mean, they, what does the word say? They acted like they were drunk. What do drunk people do? They stumble, they giggle, they laugh. They were having fun, and it was legal. They knew when the promise had come then. They didn't know it before, but they knew it then. Now, we're going to get into some adventures here. I had to lay that foundation to get to where I wanted to go. Exodus 14. We're going to look at some real Bible examples here. Exodus 14, starting with verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, now let me, let me back up. Instead of reading all of it, let me back up. Here the children of Israel who had been in bondage for 400 years had been delivered out of the Egyptians' hands. They were happy. They were dancing. They were yeehaw, I'm sure. Maybe not in those words, but they were happy. And they're leaving to go to a land promised being full of milk and honey, overflowing with produce and livestock. They're happy, happy, happy. Then all of a sudden, they come around the turn there, and there is the Red Sea. They're happy, happy, kind of diminished. Were they in the will of God? Were those people in the will of God when they were free from bondage, being led by a pillar of fire and a cloud? Were they being led by God? So they were in the will of God? But they saw the Red Sea. They turned around and they saw the enemy coming to get them, to kill them, and bring the survivors back into bondage. They had nowhere to turn. Were they in the will of God? But their situation looked hopeless, did it not? They really had no hope. I like, I find it really interesting and I like what God said to Moses in verse 15. He said, why are you crying to me? Tell the people to get moving. And I'm sure Moses would say, what? I mean, look, Lord, the Red Sea is here. The enemy is here. There's nowhere else to move. What was God telling Moses? Why are you crying to me? What was he trying to say? I've already given you the authority. When I gave you the rod of authority, the staff of authority, I've given it to you. So why are you whining, whining, whining to me? Just get your staff. See, Moses could have done it without the whining. He could have done it without the... <gasps> Am I right? Y'all don't shout me down because I'm speaking truth here. That's what I see why God asked him that question. Because he had already given him what he needed. The staff represented all that God was. Go back and read all of that and you'll see what the staff did. And Moses knew that. But then when he's in an impossible situation, he forgets that for a moment and starts whining along with the whiny honeys. 
Okay, let's move up to uh, Matthew 14. That was old. Let's go to the new. I find this really interesting. Starting with verse 13. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, this happened just right after Jesus heard the news that his cousin John had been beheaded. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. Now get this. It's in red. Who said it? But Jesus said, That isn't necessary. You feed them. Now what do you think they thought? But Lord, that would take a lot of money. We don't have a lot of money. Now, had they been with Jesus all the while, seeing the blind eyes open, seeing the dead raised, seeing all kinds of stuff, every sickness you can imagine, they saw be healed. And now they're in this situation where the compassion rose up in them, but they're still in their natural thinking. But Jesus said, you give them something to eat. And they're thinking, I don't have the ability to do that. Are you getting the picture yet? He had already told them what to do. You've got authority. Behold, I give you authority. Get out there and do the stuff. And they're thinking, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. I can't do the stuff. Still in the natural mind. Can I just tell you that God is calling us up to a higher plane, a higher place in Him? Years ago, brand new in, in the things of the Lord, brand new, baptized in Holy Spirit, brand new at all of the supernatural, I was at this church on the back row, got into worship, and I felt the nudging of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever felt a nudging of the Holy Spirit? When you do, you get a choice. You're going to go with it or you're going to not believe. You're going to get into fear or you're going to go with it. So I didn't want to disappoint my father. So even though my heart was about to pound out of my chest, I said, what do you need me to do? He said, I want you to give a message in tongues. And I went, but Lord, my natural mind kicked in. I wanted to leave. I wanted to run out the back door. I was on the back row. Nobody had seen me leave. <laughs> we will always have a choice to press into the supernatural or to stay in the natural mindset. So I, I said, okay, just make a way and I'll do it. Well, he made a way. And I gave this message and when I took my breath, I gave the interpretation. And here's what it said. The Lord God says to come up higher. I have called you to come up higher. But when I said that, the little pastor who was sitting on the front row just jumped up and started hooping and hollering and dancing. I had just quoted what he was going to preach. It's on the heart of God that we step out of our natural mindset and into his mind. It's on the heart of God to step into his power where we can do what is impossible. That's on the heart of God. And he's calling us. 
And Monday night, we, we have a, a group coming over every Monday night, and we just seek the heart of the Lord. That's what we do. We don't have a teaching. We just seek the heart of the Lord. And this same message began to boil up into my spirit. Come up higher. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Come up higher. Get my perspective. Look from my perspective at your situation. That's hard, Lord. Is it doable? Yes, very doable. So, after the disciples said, We only have five loaves of bread and two fish, Lord. He said, Bring them to me. You see, the disciples could have participated in the supernatural themselves when they say, If they had have responded, instead of saying, We can't, if they had have said, Well, Lord, shall we do this? Shall we do a God thing here? Shall we, shall we believe God for a miracle? They got into their own mindset. Let's look at the next one. Right down from that. Matthew 14, 22. Immediately after these people were fed, immediately Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell where he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat, walking on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God. Let's look at this story. Were they in the will of God? Were the disciples in the will of God when they were in the boat in the storm? Were they? Jesus had said, get in the boat and go over there. But the storm came. Can I just tell you that because you're in obedience to God, it doesn't mean everything is going to be smooth sailing. It's going to be rough. The storms are going to come. The enemy is going to come. The Red Sea is going to be there. And then you have a choice to make. Am I going to continue in the will of God? Or am I going to get into fear and get into doubt? Y'all are awful quiet on me. When God calls us to do something, we're going to be challenged by the enemy. You think that storm just happened to blow up? No. The enemy was trying to drown the disciples. And he might have done it successfully had not Jesus come along. Because they were into fear. And fear is not faith. Fear is opposite of faith. And what does it say? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, you will not see the supernatural. Without faith, you will not see your needs met. Without faith, you don't even get born again. 
But the good news is the Lord has given us a measure of faith. And what we do with that measure of faith is dependent totally upon you. We've all been given this. So it depends on if we're going to exercise it or not. You guys that lift weights, when you first thought about lifting weights, you didn't go out there and try to bench press 350 pounds, did you? Well, you wouldn't do that, would you? You started with a smaller amount, and then you worked up to 350 if you can do 350. Keep working if you can. I'm not going to try. The deal is we've got a measure of faith. So start believing God for the small things. And as you see that he answers in the small things, your faith grows. That makes sense? But what we do, we just go on our natural mindset, walking in the natural until something whopper ding or big comes along, and then we try to believe God, and then we flop. And we say, well, God did it. We blame God, don't we? I had a friend of mine tell me one time, well, you know, God does this, and he does that. And I said, where do you see that in the Bible? Well, then, then why does all this bad stuff in the world happen? And you know what I said? I'll tell you why. Because the church doesn't pray. They don't believe God. If we would be so sensitive to Holy Spirit and He taps us on the shoulder and says pray and we just drop to our knees and start praying, we may be praying for some halfway around the world at their hour and moment of need. But if you don't answer that, ooh, sister, you're getting a little heavy there. It's the truth. And sometimes truth hurts, but God's calling us up. He's calling us up. He's willing to teach us how to walk in the things of the supernatural if we'll just believe Him. Didn't He call Peter out of the boat? What did He say? Come. Peter was having fun walking on the water. He said, Ooh, look at this. I am walking just like he's walking. I am not sinking. And then it says he looked at the waves. Oops. Took his eyes off of Jesus. But the good news is he cried for help. And Jesus said, come on. And they walked back to the boat together. And then he reprimanded Peter. Why did you doubt? You have such little faith. Oh, Lord, I didn't want to hear that. I wanted to hear a great man of God here. I walked on the water. That's not what Jesus said. You have little faith. But Lord, I, I mean, I actually got out and I, I, I did it. You have little faith. You see, let's just start believing him in the small things. Get our faith shored up. Get it built up. Get it built up. And then we can just walk in the bigger things. Now, Luke 8, 22. This is another boat and storm story. It's a different one. One day, Jesus said, 8, 22 in Luke, One day, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and started out. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. But soon the fierce storm came down on the lake. The boat was filling with water and they were in real danger. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. Suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. And then he asked them, Where is your faith? The disciples were 
terrified and amazed. Who is this man, they ask each other. When he gives a command, even the winds and waves obey him. Mercy, they've been walking with him all this time, and they're going, who is this man? <laughs> they were a little slow. But so are we. What did he say? My Bible's got a red letter edition, and it says, Where is your faith? What was he saying? He had given them the order, let's go to the other side. He laid down and was asleep. He was in the boat with them at this time. He was in the boat. The winds came. It was the enemy trying to kill him again. But when the master of the winds and the waves says, We're going to the other side, can I just tell you, you're going to the other side? But why did he say, where is your faith? Why did he say that? What was he meaning by that? He was saying, I've given you authority. Why didn't you tell the winds and the waves to quit? I was in the boat with you. You're not going to drown. Why didn't you tell them to quit? I've given you authority. Hmm. Y'all are quiet on me. What's the deal? Hmm? What's the deal? Yeah, what's the deal? And they're going, who's this man? Who is he? Oh, duh. The one who was there when the Creator said, let there be. Millions of universes came into existence. I believe in the Big Bang Theory. God spoke. Bang. It happened. How hard is that? And guess what? Where it says in Genesis 1, let us make man in our image. So guess what happens when stuff comes out of your mouth? Guess what you're doing when stuff comes out of your mouth? You are creating because we are in his image. So when you speak something, it's going to come to pass. When I realized that truth, I had to repent, get on my knees, and I asked God, would you please put spiritual trefflin on all of those seed words I've flung out there. You know what trefflin is? Chemical that doesn't allow seed to germinate. I realized the reality that when we speak, we're creating good or bad. So I choose to create good. I choose to speak what God says to speak. Do I do that 100% all the time? Are you kidding? No. But I try. We have been called to walk alongside the creator of the universes. We have been given dominion over this planet. We have authority over devils. We have authority over sickness, disease, the elements if necessary. Do we do it for the most part? No. We're like Moses, whining. I thought you brought me out of here. I thought you brought me in. I thought you brought us. I thought you told me to leave these people. I thought you told me to leave these people. Why are you crying to me? Get going in the authority I've given you. And that's what the Lord is saying to us in this day and in this hour. You best come up higher. You best come into my way of thinking. You best see from my perspective. You best understand I've given you all authority on the planet. You can cast out devils. You can take authority over devils. You can lay hands on the sick 
and the sick are going to get well, and you have authority to preach the good news of the kingdom. Have to be behind one of these? No. Preach it by the way you live your life, by the way you respond to adversity, by the way you're responding while you're here. Be a light in a dark place, and people will come and see and ask, I want what you have, because what I have isn't working. Amen? Or on me. Matthew 17. Verse 20. Well, let's just back up to verse 14. Now, what had happened was, right before this, Jesus had been transfigured. He had become bright and shining, and all of a sudden, Elijah and Moses was on the mountaintop, and they were having this conversation, and the disciples saw that. Then the voice from above came and said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. Listen to him. And all of that had just happened, and now they come down the mountain. At the foot of the mountain in verse 14, a large crowd was waiting for them. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Jesus said, now he's talking to his disciples, y'all. You faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you. Wow. I wouldn't have wanted to have been on the end of that conversation. Would you bring the boy here to me? And then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy and it left him. From that moment the boy was well. Afterwards the disciples asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast that demon out? You don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth. If Jesus says I tell you the truth, do you think it's the truth? Do you think it's true? Jesus said, I tell you the truth, if you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. You can say, why don't we believe that? Hmm? I'm asking, why don't we believe that? Have we allowed the snake to come and to whisper deceit in our ear? And we think, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. Jesus just said we could. If Jesus says we can, I think we can. Amen? If Jesus says we can cast out a devil, I think we should. I like doing that. It's kind of fun. It's a lot of fun. And they're not all in Africa either. There's a bunch of devils over here. I've seen them. I've seen them cut out people too. We've just got to do what he says. He's calling us up. He's calling us up. He's got this wonderful invitation to the supernatural. Are we going to be like the disciples and say, I don't have enough money to go to that. I'm guilty of doing that. I'm so glad we live in grace and we can repent and get forgiven and then go do what he says. When I first got invited to go to Africa, I said yes and then I thought about it. Went into hyper fear. There's fear and then there's hyper fear. I was hitting the panic button. Lord, 
Lord, what have I done? What have I done? And he said, you have Holy Spirit, don't you? I said, yes, sir. That's all you need. If you are born again and filled with the incredible power from on high, the promise, Holy Spirit, and that's all you need. Because with him, he's the comforter. He's the one, and it literally means he's the one that walks alongside. He's in us. He's with us. He's around us. He walks alongside of us. And when we think we can't make it, or we think we can't do it, he says, oh, yes, you can. You can do it. You can do all things through Jesus because I'm going to give you strength. He's the strength giver. He is the one when the Creator was about to do this earth thing. It says that the Spirit of the living God hovered over the earth waiting for His command. And when Father spoke the words, the Holy Spirit did it. And Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1, if the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, then He'll quicken you. The same Spirit that did the creations is the one that raised Jesus from the dead. And if you have Him, you have the ability to step out of the boat, walk on water. You have the ability to part the Red Sea. You have the ability to see food multiplied. He's doing that right now in the United States, multiplying food. Isn't that amazing? In the United States, because somebody believed him. I've got it figured out. If God is for us, who can be against us? If every devil on the planet came knocking on my door, the truth is still the truth. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And there's not a devil in hell that can defeat us. Now I'll make a shout. Do I need to say that again? There's not a devil in hell that can defeat us. Hallelujah. We gotta believe. We gotta we gotta believe. Get yourself in the word. Let the Holy Spirit teach you. I wouldn't open that Bible without saying, Teach me what you want me to know. Not what some person wants me to know, but what you want me to know. And he will. It'll come by revelation. You may have read that verse four hundred and ninety five times, but on the four hundred and ninety six, boom, the truth of it hits because the teacher is teaching you. Isn't that amazing? He wants us to watch in supernatural. Jesus said in John sixteen thirty three, In this world you're gonna have trouble. In this world you're gonna have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. We only stop at the first. Yes, that's right, amen. I'm gonna have tribulation. Woe is me. That hee haw song back in the sixties and seventies. How's it go? Agony on me. Deep dark depression. Excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. 
I'm just a worm. I'm just walking through this life, just hanging on. It's not what Father says. Father says, you are more than conquerors through Him who strengthens you. You can do all things through Him who gives you strength. You shall be the head and not the tail. You shall be above and not beneath. You shall be the lender and not the borrower. You shall be blessed when you go out. Blessed when you come in. You see the difference? Believe in the Word of God. Be tenacious enough and understand that when you rise up to that calling to believe Him because He is truth and what He says is true and what He says for you to do is true, but just understand that when you step out in that, the storm is going to intensify and it's going to blow. But if you make the choice to keep your eyes riveted on the One who loves you and on the One who made you, and on the one who's called you into the supernatural, if you keep your eyes on him, you shall walk on water and not see. You shall see the glory of the Lord. You shall see him move in a way you never thought possible. Amen. Ooh, I'm glad that we are called. Now turn over to Hebrews 11, verse 1. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. So as we get the command from the Lord, He speaks to us all the time. We're just not listening. But if we would just humble ourselves before Him and do what the prophet said, Speak, Lord, your servant listens. When you get a mandate from the Lord, understand that you can't see the manifestation of it right now. But if you have faith, you have the confident assurance that what's been called for you to do or be or say or have will be yours even though it's not seen. And then when you tenaciously hold on to that truth, then you'll walk into the manifestation of it. And now you see it, so faith isn't required for that any longer. Isn't that good? Then you get to have a happy party. And don't get discouraged if you are standing on it and you're kind of walking on the water a little bit and you sink a little bit. Just call out to Jesus. Our Lord is so full of mercy, so full of grace, so full of kindness, but He does expect us to operate in faith. Glory to God. Faith is simply trusting God in the good times and in the bad. Just because things go south a little while doesn't mean you're not in the will of God. Just because things don't happen in the timely manner you think they ought to happen doesn't mean it's not going to happen. If you've placed your trust in Him and He has spoken to you to believe Him for whatever, then you best believe Him and not waver off of it, but just believe Him. Walk humbly before Him, being excited about your call into the supernatural. And if He tells you, 
you. Get on your knees. I need you to pray for someone in South America. Get on your knees. Pray. Maybe it might be your Sally. It might be for whomever. Or maybe he says, I need you to speak these words from my heart to someone. Be obedient. It's always good to obey. 